0: All right, RBA, welcome back. This is part two of the uh, 2012 season-ending podcast. I still have, unfortunately for everybody, Jeff with me here. Howdy. And Chad is still on the line. Hey, I'm here. Okay. Um, and now we're going to transition a little bit into a season in review. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about previewing the awards for this upcoming season. And, uh, we'll, yeah. start, and we'll start maybe with the MVP discussion. Chad, you had, uh, you had some thoughts.
1: You want to start us off here? Well, it's fun in a simulation league. You start thinking about who the best player was, and you know there weren't Sports Center highlights. There aren't media hype about certain players. You know, you really look at the numbers, and you look at, you know, you you basically also look at the the players that, that will come up in your write up and things like that. So, you know, it's a simulation league that's based on stats. So it's almost a given that. The most important thing is like WAR or whatever metric that Fangraphs would have put out about the RPA, right? Right. And then so you've got that. You can calculate WAR. And then you can also calculate, you know, these other metric, like OPS, slugging percentages, and compare them with the good old Goody count. You guys remember that? It's <laughs> <is> a great <laughs> reference. I think it's the sum of the runs in RBI that, that a player would produce. I,
2: I believe that reference is to a 2001 email.
1: Oh yeah, we're going First way season. back. First
2: season, I believe. Yeah.
1: Yep, that's the Goody count: runs plus RBI.
2: Exactly. It was it was the, how
1: one of the forefathers of the league, good old uh, Adam Goody Coons, yep. thought about things. That's true. So. Um, yeah, I guess when you think about players of this year in that context, you know, Montreux comes up, and, you know, he was a, a player with really high WAR, but you know, his team was, was okay. He was – he played at a premium position, but he was a platoon player. Um, you know, he's he had a great season, but, you know, was he the MVP? Was he the best player or the most valuable player? I don't know. And you've got other guys like Batista and Fielder who, who had big years, big power years on – on playoff-type teams, you know, that should they didn't have the war Contro did? Should they be on the same level? There's other guys like Ellsbury. I'm probably forgetting other people. That I don't have stats in front of me. Justin Upton, maybe. Yeah, Justin Upton. He, he's quite good, too. So, I mean, how you know, you also have got, you've got guys who might have performed well. You know, regular season, you have guys that perform well, you know, at, at times when it wasn't critical, and other guys that might have performed less well overall. Maybe really knocks it out of the park in more games at the end, more wash runs. You know, how, how do you think the league votes on this? Do you think they're just going to look at WAR? Or they're going to factor all these other things in?
0: Well, I think that it depends on the person, maybe. Um,
1: I think that there'll, I think there'll be a
0: certain amount of factoring in. Probably some people will take team context into it, um, and maybe the power numbers, maybe maybe the production numbers. I don't know.
1: I mean, can Monterey can Montreal win? On a non-playoff team. Yeah, oh, I think
0: he should. Do you think he can? I think he can? Yeah,
1: yeah. How many? Uh, like, when we look at the MVP voting, is it is it common that a, when a player has a breakout year from the rest of the group that's on a non-playoff a non-playoff team, do they normally win? I'm not sure.
0: Um, that's a good question. I, I could kind of I could look
1: at the list of MVPs and see. What's tricky is you've only recently been starting to tabulate and release WAR the way that you do now, so it's easy now to look and say this is how valuable that guy was. Whereas back then it was harder. True,
0: uh, it does look like Pujols has won twice. Now that's Pujols, of course, but uh, I don't. That was he won in 04 for a Chicago team that didn't make the playoffs. Um, I guess he, I guess, Ford Duquesne in 09 made the playoffs. Ryan Braun won in 2008 for Taney. And they were, as we just mentioned, terrible.
1: Yeah, That's right. He was going for the home run title, though.
0: Yes, that's true. And Tony Clark won for Rockford in 06, speaking of.
1: That's just a load of crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, the injury. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know I didn't leave you much
2: room to go on after that. But- <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Hobbit, do you want to say something about this? Well, I don't – Well. I don't think team context should be taken into account, but I think it is at least by some people. Okay. Because there, you, I mean, you hear it in real life too all the time. People say things like, "How can this guy win MVP when his team didn't even go to the playoffs?" Forgetting it, that a roster consists of 25 people and all that. Right. Uh, I
0: mean, uh, the the idea of war is that it tries to. Uh, it takes into
2: account usage, which is why i which is why I'm saying that Montero should be the MVP. I mean. He was a catcher, but actually, as catchers go, he played full time. I mean, didn't he get? He got almost 300 plate appearances. He did get
0: almost 300 plate appearances. He didn't play against lefties, but he did pinch hit. I yeah. would say against lefties, he, he had to
2: pinch hit. He yeah. got 289 plate. Appearances. That's right. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And if you look at the OPS list. He he led the league in OPS by like fifty points or something as a and he's a catcher. Yeah. I mean he was he was ahead of these like corner outfielders which right. you gotta position it. I mean you definitely should position adjust.
0: And it looks like the problem with his production numbers, I would say is that most of the time, Pagan and Tulewitzki were batting ahead of him. Yeah. Tulewitzki had an underachieving season, and Pagan was a black hole.
2: Oh, my God, he was.
0: So <laughs> I don't think he had a lot of opportunity to drive people in.
2: Yeah,
0: okay. The three spot. I mean, I, you know, my whole argument with War is that it tries, you know, the goal of it is, taking usage into account, it tries to say, uh, you know, ascribe a value to a player. This So Mon- Montero was three-and-a-quarter wins. He was worth that to John over, you know, right. whatever. Now, it's, it's,
1: it's going to be tricky when you release defensive war because yes. you penalized since That's, it's no good metric for catcher
2: war. Yeah. Catcher defensive With, war. Montero, I mean, uh, this is not uh, maybe not the best argument, but he does – I mean, Montero is good defensively. He, he always has a positive throwing arm. He was
0: plus 9%. So that – I mean, he was a very good defensive... He was a valuable defensive player in the RBA also. Okay. Um, but... still going to
1: get slammed when you look at Bautista's defensive uh, contribution.
0: True. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I mean, I'd have to look and, and I'd have to crunch the numbers on that, but I will. Mm-hmm.
2: I, mean, I think is going to gain a win or more. Oh, I don't think so.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know for sure.
2: I mean, I think he's really good, but a win...
1: Uh, his defensive is, is what defensive really good. Okay. It was um twenty two. It was I think it was like twenty one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is
1: pretty awesome. Yeah. So that would Be about a win.
0: So yeah, and he's only a half a win behind Montero in in the position adjusted offensive. Right, right. So um. It depends yeah. on how much you give to a plus 9% catcher, like yeah. how many runs
1: back. And that's really tricky. Maybe if you put the, the defensive war, you should probably, you know, put a note that maybe what is caught stealing. Or Actually, that's tough because if he's plus 9, the guys won't even run. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
2: Preventing, yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: And then there's Ellsbury, who's only a quarter of a win behind Montero. I don't mm-hmm. remember what his defensive number was. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, the, the, the other thing I wanted to say was there – They have done studies, and I'm sure one or both of you have have read these, where it talks about the the marginal value of a win is a little bit different based on how close you are to the playoffs. And I'm not saying that you should, you know, say that you can't win an MVP unless you're on a playoff team. But one win is more valuable the closer you are to the playoff line. Yep. You're completely right. Yes. so. But but my thing is, I mean, if you take that into league context, you know, it might be different in a season when a team made the playoffs by one or two games. There's not one player who was going to make a difference this year with the gulf between the four playoff teams being five games. Right. You're right. Um, But I do think, you know, with, say, State College, you'd have had to take, Fielder and Upton off that team to get them below Silver City, I think. Um, Probably. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I do think that comes into it in
0: general, but I think this season, I, I don't think it really has a part in the argument.
2: And I will, I will also say, just going back to this, uh, going back to what Chad was saying about defensive war. Um, I don't know what these guys' defensive numbers st- – I don't know what their stats were in the RBA, but Ellsbury was also very good defensively. He had a UZR of 15.
0: Oof. See that? Mm-hmm. See, you might have to think about that. Soon. And at
1: center field. Yes. It's worth more. Yeah. So I bet that Bautista, Ellsbury, and Montero were going to come out pretty close to each other after they factor in defense. Okay. And I, I think Fielder will actually come up close to the group. And Fielder up and Upton, I mean, I'm, I'm – If I was going to vote, I might say that in my biased view of it, that Bautista and Fielder are probably the most important players of the year, and I I might vote for Fielder, actually. Well, see,
0: Fielder had 69 RBI, um,
1: and I think he tied Bautista for
0: home runs in the other 22.
1: It was true. I I classically hate some of the arguments made by the fangraphs staff championing war. I hate one of the things is I hate the interchangeability of money, how they think that $1 spent by the Yankees is the same as a dollar by the the Pirates and they, they just value every contract based on dollars with with completely blind to the outcome. The other thing that I can't stand they do is that, that they want to take situation out of every every outcome out of the event, so a home run's a home run, regardless of the home runs.
2: Yeah, the- I think I think they do that. I think they do that based on the assumption that it's that situational hitting is all luck anyway. Now
1: well, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> that I enjoy the luck. I wouldn't watch baseball without the luck.
2: Yeah, no, wow. no I know.
1: And then, and then you have WPA,
0: which is completely um, situation driven, and that's true. Yeah, Pregress does that, and so there is there is a contingent that says, you know. If you're not looking for the individual's performance in a vacuum, if you do really want to see what the individual did for a team, use WPA. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that's more of what you're talking about, Chad. That's a really
1: good good point there. Yes, actually, I think I was just railing on Warren.
0: Yeah. So, unfortunately, it would I would have to clone myself to c- calculate WPA for the RBA. So I can't really do that.
1: <laughs> also, yeah, I understand. It's not something that he has to do. I agree with you. I like that that argument. The only argument that
0: I don't like is now Fielder had an 842 OPS um, as a first base. As a first base. Yeah. Now the WPA argument: if, if someone wants to say, um, you know, you know, here the win probability added, you know, it, it outweighs his war, but. Fielder 69 RBI and 53 Mm -hmm. runs scored. Mm -hmm. Here's who's around him. Michael Bourne led off 357 on base with 27 steals. Reyes batted second, 382 on base with 20 steals, and then Fielder. Yeah. And then Upton was behind him with an MVP caliber caliber,
1: caliber season. I think – I've got to think about this as he's the most important piece – in a highly functioning engine. That doesn't work without someone exactly like Fielder, a power-hitting lefty in that row. It has to actually be a lefty because Upton's righty.
2: Yeah, but my question is, I don't know as much about WBA. Does it, um, I know it takes into account situational hitting, but does it correct for the fact that players on good teams, does it correct for the number of good situations you happen to, by luck, find yourself in? You see what I'm saying? In other words, somebody, somebody, two two hitters who are exactly the same, one is on a good team, one's on a bad team, one on a good team is going to have a higher WP.
0: He will have a a better chance of getting a
2: higher WP. Yeah,
0: I I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. And my answer to, to you, Chad, would be, yes, you do need a player like that. But if we're talking replacement level, I
1: mean, a lot of teams had a player like that. You had a player like that. I did have a player like that. I had two of them like that. And that's well, why. No, I, was, I mean, specifically a left-handed hitting power first baseman. Yeah, yeah. And so did Denis. And. So did
2: I. <laughs> yeah, <and> Adam Kennedy. Well, <laughs> him right in.
0: And, I mean, yeah, you, you know, like, Canerco, for example, is a righty. And Pools is a righty. But, you know, you can find a first baseman to plug in there. A lot of
2: left-handed first baseman who can hit with power.
1: Yeah. Now, you're right. You're right. So, you're, you're completely right. if you want to think about it as if you took that player away and then put Brandon Inge, who would have been like the the waiver wire replacement guy in there, he would have been, you know, he would have done better than replacement. He would have had better than replacement level production because of the situations he was in. But it's really fun to play baseball to score runs. And that's what Fielder actually did. And what he his actions resulted in the scoring of runs. So, I like that. I think that it's I, I mean, I,
0: I do. I see what you're saying. But, I mean, I'm just saying that if, if you put Adrian Gonzalez in that spot, he would have had 69 RPI. If you put Joey Votto in that spot, he would have had 69 RPI.
1: Yeah, but these guys are – the thing is there's no difference in the talent between these guys because they're all top tier. Okay. And Fielder, just had, the, Fielder just, just had it happen to him. This was, you might think, like his year. This was the time that he was going to get the breaks and, you know, yeah. going would go his way. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I like Luck playing a little bit more of a role in there. You know, thinking about Major League Baseball, the biggest travesty in Major League Baseball's awards in the last so many years was when Roger Clemens pitched for the Astros, and he was all steroided up. And right. He was so much better than everyone else, but he just couldn't win because the Astros weren't scoring runs. And, you know, they were evaluating the pitcher's metric on, on wins, just like, you know, we're talking about evaluating fielders' value on RBIs and, and, and runs. But, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a difference between a win and actually converting in a situation to yield a run. For, but. Well,
2: that's, well, that's, I mean, that, that was an over-reliance on luck, right? I mean, Clemens was on a team where he couldn't win. Right. That was bad luck on his part, and he got unfair, I agree with you, he got unfairly punished because people were taking that luck into account. I think, I, I think a few years back, because obviously I'm a few years older than you guys, I remember the year that, um, I think this was like 89 or something, there was a year when Roger Clemens went twenty one and six and had an ERA of one point nine or something, and mm-hmm. he lost the AL Cy Young to Bob Welch.
0: He went 25 who and
2: went twenty five? Who went? Who won twenty five or twenty six games? But he was on the A's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they gave they gave Welch the Cy Young, and Welch's ERA was like three point three. I mean, it was a world of difference between those two pitchers. Right. But because Welch was on the A's and they were a powerhouse, he won the Cy Young. I mean, it was a travesty. I mean. It,
0: I don't think there's a there's one right view on this. I mean I think that if you I mean I don't want to transition into the major leagues but uh, too much, but this is just what I've been thinking about. It's an interesting question thinking about Jared Weaver versus Justin Verlander in the majors this year. Such as I don't have any question in my mind that when you take Park uh, into account when you take all the, you know, the, the peripheral metrics. I don't have any doubt that Verlander is a better pitcher. Mm-hmm. And that he's had a better year than me. Mm-hmm. But, Jared Weaver's 15-1. and one.
2: His ERA is
0: lower. But he that park is perfect for him. Mm-hmm. And he's getting better support, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you want the Cy Young Award to recognize what you remember most about that season? Or
1: do you want it to recognize the truly best player? That just, is – that's a perfectly described sh- question. Yes. That's it. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think – I mean, Jeff is going to say the truly I, best player. I, I,
2: I love the sentimental aspect of baseball as much as anyone, but I feel like objectively, rationally speaking here, you, you just have to say the latter. It's got to be who, who was – yeah, who was better. I mean,
0: I, I'm just saying that I can see both arguments. I can see I can see where somebody would say you know Jared you know Justin Verlander is great every year and maybe we should reward him for that but you know what Jared Weaver these things fell right for him and I remember his record from this season and you know it's an award.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I mean is that sort of where you're coming from with this Chad? Yeah I I, I kind of yeah I'm, actually this is the perfect transition because you think about the pitching. Uh, you know the pitching the candidates for pitcher of the year in the RBA this year. Yeah. There's there's really a runaway train candidate and then there's others that are sort of peripheral. So it's not really that big of a deal, but um you know Kershaw is going to win because not only is his WAR best, but his he had memorable performances matched it. Everyone's going to know about him. He he had all of these shutouts, he had all of these innings pitched, and all of these these great great performances that would headline write up. And that's what people would hear about. Right. I, I not only think that he deserves that; I think he'll probably win unanimously.
2: Yeah, well, Verlander
0: kind of caught up to him at the end of the season, sort of.
2: Yeah, and and Halladay had a great year too, actually. But um, well, by 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 fit. by, by fifth, yeah, by fifth. But uh, but yeah, Ker- yeah, I don't see Kershaw losing. Well, Maybe yeah, he be, could even be unanimous. Yeah, I agree. It yeah. Could be.
0: yeah. I mean, Verlander just looks like a clear second.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, he pitched really well near the end of the year. But Kershaw was a story throughout this year. I yeah. mean, he had a couple of bad starts in the second half, but at the All Star break, it looked like he might have the best season ever. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's true. I can see where you're going with that. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, is there, who's going to win the rookie of the year?
2: Oh God. Uh, wow. Oh, that's <laughs> the correct answer. Actually, <laughs> no, it,
1: That's not that bad. Right? I think kimberl has got a great shot at it. Is he a rookie?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cooper took him in the first oh, that's round. That's right. right. Yeah. Everybody
1: gets to that.
0: Um. In the first <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I guess you're probably right. Yeah, I never think about Kimbrell. I guess I don't think about relief pitchers because I'm conditioned not to do that. Do you know that Kimbrell was actually
1: fifth in war?
2: I can believe that, actually. He was unhittable.
1: Yeah, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Kimbrell gets third in the uh, Pitcher of the Year balloting. He was he was fantastic, and his war gets boosted because he had a disproportionately high amount of innings pitched as a young reliever.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: he had 43 in the third.
2: I think, I remember Chad in his email asking the question about um, should relief pitchers even be considered, and I think oh, in, yes. in extreme cases, I think yes, and yeah. and, and Kimbrel is probably one of those extreme cases. He's There's no way, I, I don't think there's any way that he should be voted ahead of uh, Kershaw, but... He's worth mentioning and worth talking about, at least as a number two, number three, number four, whatever. Yeah, you absolutely.
0: I, I mean, I'm looking at a stat line right now. Um, he had a 1.25 ERA with a 0. .8 lip uh, And he had a... I'm pretty sure this is his... This doesn't even seem right. His FIP was 1.11. Wow. Cool, Robos was .74. Yes, yeah. but there again, Robo had pretty actually exactly half the inning yeah. as Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. Kimbrell actually struck out 69 guys in 43 and a third inning. I've, uh,
2: this, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, I do think that the usage factors uh, is I think those are the that's the single greatest invention in the RBA. It, it, it helped the league more than the introduction of splits
1: and That's this is a lot true.
2: this is a lot for me to say because splits really helped me and the usage factor really hurt me. Because I would take yeah. advantage of these guys like Tony Clark or the you know Josh Barnes. Yeah,
0: yeah, because you could draft crappy players. Yeah, and, and them then you know yeah. I took
2: advantage of the yeah, but I I took advantage of that whereas Chad Cooper tended and uh, tended not to. Uh, the usage factor really dampens the value of players like that, which I think is a great thing.
1: Yeah, we know, we didn't we didn't like, like, to do that.
2: You, you should but, Tony-
1: the, the the player maybe hurt most ever by the usage factor, and I will never complain because it should have been that way. It had to be Morneau last year.
2: Oh um, yeah, yeah. Last
1: year, and he was in the top five in overall production. Yeah. Even though Adam
2: and I would take advantage of these kinds of players, there's there's no way there's no way that Tony Clark should have been allowed to get as many plate appearances in the RBA as he did in the major leagues that year. Right. <laughs> right,
0: right. Right. And the person hurt most by injury factors has been Adam because I, yeah, well, he never knew he, they existed. Well, it caused him to quit the league. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anything else about the awards?
1: Well, I guess um, you want to talk about the other awards manager. So who made the, the – if you want to talk about the big trades. Yeah, it's a good transition, I think. Yeah. Some of the biggest trades of the year were, uh, you know, they helped shape some of these contenders. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of see who –
0: who gets uh, our consideration for manager of the year based on these moves, perhaps?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to look at, like, State College and how they pick up Timmy Lincecum yep. while, you know, blowing up uh, what they thought was going to be the core of uh, with Haywood and Reyes and Upton and Fielder. They gave up Haywood and, you know, they, uh, they brought back Timmy.
0: That's true. And, I mean – it's going to hurt him in the future, it looks like. I mean, nobody could really have foreseen what happened to Timmy, but...
1: Yeah, nobody saw that, but it's... it's It, <laughs> it was a big trade. It was, it was a major big, trade. People
2: always suspected that it might happen, just with the way he throws the ball, but yeah, that it happened the way it did all yeah. of a sudden right yeah, yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a surprise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was a big trade, and State College did really well at the draft, I thought, because remember, we talked about at the beginning of the season, I thought the big um, you know, the big four were going to be Vegas, Elm Grove, Teney, and Fort Duquesne, and State College really moved up into that tier with a really good draft, put together one of the best bullpens beginning to end of the season I've ever seen.
2: They have a great bullpen. I mean, I don't know if
0: anybody's ever put together a beginning of the season bullpen like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, they,
1: they did a really good job. I mean, it, you talk, just talked about beginning of the season context and beginning of the offseason context. I didn't expect to have a contending team. I, I thought I would be a forty-five winish team, maybe if things go my way. I didn't expect to be able to put a you know a great team out there. But right. I feel a lot. I feel a bit lucky to have been able to to acquire um, the deal with Adrian Gonzalez and DeJesus and Tim Hudson and Gio Gonzalez to start the season. That was a massive trade.
2: Let me mention about State College one thing. They, they I agree with you guys. They did a great job. They they improved their team a lot. Um. They didn't address every problem. There is one thing. I'm seeing a big split here. The team is not very good against right-handed pitching. It's league average against right-handed pitching. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. They're just barely above league average, but so they 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 can be they can be hurt in a matchup against a team with a lot of right-handed pitchers. Okay. And of course now the team they're playing is um Fort Duquesne, right? So Yeah, they have all right. Fort Duquesne has Kershaw, of course. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, Kershaw, okay. but
2: they but, so one lefty three righties I don't think he'll have much yeah, you, you're probably right about that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, but, that's right. Every team has one lefty in the pitch.
2: Okay. Yeah. But they did, um, they did do, State College did do a very good job of getting that team from sort of, a, kind of a good team, but not, not, not really a contender into contending. And then our,
0: of course, the big trade that Chad was talking about, he gave us Chu, who actually turned, came back and is having a good season. Um, Chu, Morneau, and Josh Johnson, they all look like they'll be viable keepers for SoCal next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and got just a haul of the Jesus, Hudson, Gio, and Adrian Gonzalez. Um, that really took, like you said, took your team from like a 45 win team to a 50 win team, probably. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was, a, that was a big trade. I, I don't think my team would have contended without that. There, there just wasn't enough offense around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I was able to. The other preseason trades, I guess, would be for Duquesne. They picked up Rivera, right?
0: Yeah, well, you got Bell and Perez from from this one over here.
1: To, to oh, yeah, that was such an annoying negotiation, and I'm warning you right now, Hobbs. <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, Next time we do a trade, yeah. uh, you're going to wish that you would have handled the last one differently. That was annoying as could possibly be. I'm trying to, I'm trying, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember the negotiations. Because I, I I laid out some some emails that describe the value of how Bell fits into the context of the league, you know, um, I think I offered a second. Um, I don't really know what happened, but what what ended up happening is he wanted a seventh put in there. And I basically said, well, you know, you don't really – I don't think you need the seventh, blah, blah, blah. Uh The receivers aren't that great. He writes – That's really
2: Perez. I remember this now. Yeah, yeah.
1: this chest-thumping email that was like, (laughs) Bell would be awesome. Bell would be clearly picked at the end of the first, beginning of the second round. Obviously, I need this pick, and I, I was on va- I was on vacation in Massachusetts. I didn't want to deal with it, and I finally just said, "Yes, that's okay." But I, rem- I like stuck this nugget in my head. The next time I do a trade with him, um, right. I'm really going to remember. Let's take this
2: a record. look at Bell here. Um, well, at least
0: Bell's going to be a keeper for you. Right?
2: Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the guy that I,
1: I mean, I, in the draft, but just to put this in perspective, it was clearly obvious that Bell wouldn't have picked anywhere near the end of the first second round. I mean, Papelbon went at the end of the third, and I would have gladly had Papelbon over Bell. Well, Um So, yeah. I mean, that was pretty bad. I picked up Todd Coffey as a free agent at the end of the draft, and he was marginally worse than Bell. Yeah, both writing specialists. That's true, for what you want to... Voice. So, it was not only my worst trade of the year, but... He wouldn't, he wouldn't negotiate. He was just, no, I need a seventh as well. That, it's on, man, next time.
2: No, no, <laughs> I'm okay. trying to find these emails, but uh, anyway. I, I do remember a little bit of back and forth, but, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. That'd take me a while to find the, yeah, he went back and forth. Um, hey. so
1: then, if we're gonna talk about, you know, the, uh, what other moves were there before the season? Um,
0: before the draft, the only other one was, um, the Montero trade, actually, giving him to, to Silver City, which ended up being very big.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty good trade. And then, you know, that it was weird that John's, how did you view John's team after that trade before the season started? As, you know, how good of a team was it? Hobbs, this is where you can speak up, and you've got the numbers. And right. you know, what did you think? Did, was it was it a was it a really good team? What were the strengths? What, was it was he making these moves because he would just played in the championship game and wanted to try to get back, or was, you know, was he making these moves because his team was really good?
0: I think they were they were about average before
1: he traded for Montero and Padon.
0: Yeah,
2: he, um, right. They, they were, yeah, that sounds about right. They were basically an average team and they yes. wanted to contend again. I mean, I talked to John a lot about it, uh, obviously. And, um, yeah, I think he just, he wanted to contend again and I thought it was probably the right move because he could, but he, he had to make some moves. He couldn't just stand pat with the team he had. And Montero I, was a huge upgrade, especially, yeah. given, you know, his position. I thought the trade from Ontario was great. It's one of those
1: moves where it improves his team substantially, and he didn't give up anything of substance for the current year. It was it was a really good fit. It was a, it was a Chad Canick trade. <laughs> yeah, I would think, if, in the context of things, I would try to make that trade. Yes.
0: Exactly. I mean, if you yeah. had an 85 score team, uh, you know, you would probably try it. You know, yeah. and and that's sort of what you did. You just, I mean. No no offense to John, but he just did it a little bit better
2: <laughs> John's draft next year is, is he's missing his first what is it? 10: Ten. 10 picks.
1: So that's what, so we're sort of segueing into this. you know John had, had a good team. What, how, how did the trades that he made after the Monchero trade fit into the context of that was because it, it sort of looks like his team was was good already and it got a little
2: bit better. Uh, no, I think it was a significant upgrade. I mean, again, going by this going by the spreadsheet, I have John free. I have John at the beginning of the season with a ninety three and then uh, moving up to about 111, 112, so almost a twenty point improvement. that's yeah. sort of a vague way to describe this. Who were the improvements
1: that really mattered? Was it was it Latos? was it the fault? He got he got a number
0: one starter. He His outfield was his big hole. He didn't even have enough usage to cover his outfield. We wait, wait,
1: hold up. Slow down. Latos is the number one starter?
0: That's his number one starter, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, right, right. But, no, well,
2: Romero uh, was really good, too. I don't know. Well, he put he, him in the
0: Okay, middle. yeah. Uh, yeah, Latos is the number one. I mean, this is Silver City. They never really have great yeah, he's, pitchers.
2: Not, he's, not he's not a great pitcher on this, uh, this, this season, but he's a very good one. Yeah. I actually liked... Both the
1: Montero deal and the Lottos deal, that, that's a savvy move because Lottos is perceived as a very talented pitcher as well. So I actually thought he was going to be very good in the majors and be a good keeper going forward. And like you just said, John always has hitters. He's never He never really has aces. And I kind of thought, like, oh, oh, shit. You know, they finally have an ace. I think they do. I mean, he
0: had
2: a rough
1: start to this season, but he's been really good yeah. for the past two and a half months.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just looked at his numbers. My
1: goodness. He actually has been very good.
2: Yeah, he was terrible through the first two months, but he's been. And that's good. how John got him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he got him from a rebuilding team. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
2: John, to answer your question, Chad, I mean, John, John upgraded his hitting, which was nice, but what he really needed to upgrade was the starting pitching, and he did. Yes. Getting Lottos, I mean, without Lottos, all he really had was Romero and, and, and Loche. Loche, a pretty good pitcher in Loesch. This moves Loche to his number three starter. His number four becomes Mahalam who can just kind of hang on as a number four. Right. He didn't make the playoffs, but if he had, he would have been in pretty good position for them. So if, so if John makes
1: these two moves, which are completely justified, and he then liquidates everything left, what did he leave on the table? What else could he have done? What did he improve that he didn't improve enough of? Why why isn't he in this? this
2: well, first of all, he he really couldn't have done anything else because he's missing his, his first ten picks next year.
1: But. No, you're not. No, no, no. You're assuming that all the other trades were done optimally. I mean, if there's other before there's other like there's oh, other
2: trades. I got, I got you. I got you. He didn't really have any. I mean, he could have made the pitching a little better still, but I think it's fine. Um, his he could his have gotten, gotten another starter. He could have gotten another reliever. Yeah, he could
0: have gotten another. Well, he got Smith.
2: Wait, you don't even know Smith then? Oh, I don't know. Smith on Silver City. Oh, no, oh, well, okay. His score should be a little higher than it is. Yeah, we we, we must have missed that one. Yeah, okay. he,
0: well, he traded for Joe Smith. He really. I mean, I don't think he did it optimally. I think he overpaid in a couple of places, um, especially given the way Lotto started. I think he overpaid a little bit for Lotto. But you can make the argument that you know you. But have, it's,
1: that's really hard, though. Because Lotos has talent and he's on a team that couldn't take any player value back. Correct. He had to give pick value there. There's no there's Stop. no alternative.
0: He was lost he was, in. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to fill out that all au- So once he traded for Lotos, he had to fix his outfield and he got he got mm-hmm. Heise and Smith from, from Vegas, Joe Smith the reliever, and then he also got Mayberry.
2: That's from I Vegas. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I, I think you're right yeah they I they, they did, did I mean I think he did a really good job and yeah. I think he did
0: exactly what he should have done I mean we shouldn't let the outcome yeah. dictate the the value of the
2: process he, he, he was the, he was the recipient of some pretty horrendous luck after the trade deadline he traded for those guys and then his team just couldn't win
0: yeah yeah he underachieved a little bit after he traded for those guys and State right. College got hot yeah uh,
1: that was you're right, can't say that these moves weren't done the correct way because of the way it turned out. I completely get that. I think that I had a a, a, um, a strange reaction to the Joe smith um, Heisey trade because I was also talking to Cooper at the same time, and I was basically thinking about huge trades with Cooper involving Josh Willingham and Gio Gonzalez, trades that were kind of like, here's the keys to everything I'm not keeping, take whatever it is you want, and we'll, we'll, we'll build a package there. And those players that went to him were not in the discussion. Like, I wasn't even considering them. And I had equated them in my mind to, like, seventh round value. value. And then I gave up. I I was really surprised.
2: Heisey is very good against right-handed pitching. He's got some usage issues, but, I mean... No, you're right. I think I have a personal allergy to a
1: right-handed outfielder that can't hit lefties. I think it opens up a hole on my lineup.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, so John, John had to fill in that outfield spot and he did. Yeah, you're right. So that, I just think, you know, the only other thing, the only other maybe smart thing he could have done was the Cooper route to, to tie this to what, what Vegas did. I mean, but
2: I don't, I don't think he's bowed out if you're John. No,
0: I don't think he would have gone out. Cooper should have done it either. I, I don't
2: this was this was I think I think maybe the from the tone of Chad's email, I think this is maybe the topic that Chad wanted to talk about the most. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what about what Cooper did and did not do this year? Right.
1: I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean when you talk about what John did, maybe what I'm overlooking is I didn't need outfield depth up. I had picked up Garrett Jones. Right. Now, maybe there really wasn't a market for anything. There, was, there wasn't there was much to be had, and that actually is what chased Cooper out. You know, thinking back, you know, it's easy to sit here and criticize if John could have done the same with less picks and all that other stuff. He actually tried to go in, and he did a really good job of it. Yes. What would have happened if Cooper wasn't a seller? How would that have changed not only John's perspective, but what could have Cooper bought?
2: What Who could he have convinced to do business with him? I think all it would have done is clogged up the market because you know we know John. John was going to go. Oh,
1: hold it. up! What market? Well, I mean, all, I mean, all of the trades ran through Vegas. So I think it would have depleted the market. Well, it would have been no market. No, no, no.
2: What I meant was, what I meant was, the oh, mean
0: demand? Yeah, what
2: I meant was, right. If Cooper was a buyer instead of a seller,
0: he meant the market demand.
2: Yeah, I meant the market demand. Yeah, on the on the demand side, there would have had because I, I don't. John would have done the exact same thing. I think John would have still gone for it. Especially given that his... Yeah, he his, was already in. I mean, well, and not just that, but given the way that John's players were not playing well in the right. majors this year anyway, he knew he wasn't going to have a chance. So John would have gone for it anyway. Yeah. Would have taken Cooper out of the market as a seller and put him in as a buyer. That's what I meant by clogging it up. It would have been an interesting free-for-all to get those players. I don't think... Well, but, but no, now, don't that's know. the thing, Jeff. What players like SoCal might have might have been able to get
0: something for a couple of other players.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I think that had the market not moved. I you're right. I think Brendan McCarthy and Eric Bedard would have been traded was Bedard traded? No. 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 I think that at the time, they would have probably been traded. Although Bedard doesn't have much value in a playoff team. Who the hell wants a, a but I, lefty? Chad, I'm them?
2: also saying that even if there hadn't been more trades, we could have seen some interesting bidding wars on the players that these guys wanted if they want, if they happened to want the same players. I mean, Chad needed a play Excellent, one. Excellent point, Hobbs. What players? Well, Lottos? I think just the, the SoCal Lottos? players. Yeah.
0: But I think, I mean, it was after the Lottos trade. SoCal had a couple of guys maybe people would want. Jeff had Joaquin Zoria. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get to that. Let's get to the mentality of the rebuilding fee faces. That's all fine. Right. So what? No, let's seriously talk about what players would have been in the market. Nelson Cruz might have been the top player.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I mean, listen. Okay. Then you're going to get to maybe the, the teams that didn't do trades that could have done or done more. You know, maybe um, maybe Pittsburgh woke up if they received. In you know a barrage of emails, right. Right. there's a possibility that Ethier, who was overproducing at the time, probably wouldn't have been traded. But A Rod or Howard could have been traded. You know, when you look at the moves that weren't done, the the strangest moves the entire season were that Ryan Howard began and ended the season on Pittsburgh, a team that actually owns the rights to Freddie Freeman. Yep. And Alex Rodriguez also ended the year on that team when they had made a trade to acquire Pedro Alvarez, regardless of his, what you might perceive of his value. You know, those two guys, their value that they might hold exists right now and they're on that team that's
2: going nowhere. Well we were talking about we were talking about this is a little off topic but not really. We were talking about the you know, the teams looking forward to next year and, and Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh really is in trouble. They could have – if they could have moved those
0: two guys, they, they would be in a lot better shape.
2: Right. The, I mean, but this is, you know, the hypothetical
0: question of, you know, if there had been a little bit of increased demand on these players, would that have woken these? these yeah. owners who clubs? I don't know. Who knows? I, so that's a great no, question, yeah. It really is. Right. I mean – I has,
2: was actually just going to say it really depends on the coach you're talking It about. does.
0: I mean, for example, Hobbs, I mean, you didn't want to trade
2: – yeah, I, I, I mean, did. if somebody had blown your socks oh, yeah. off, maybe, that, but you was, didn't want to trade. Yeah, that was basically, that was basically my, my position the whole time was, yeah, if somebody offers, makes me a great offer for Cruz, I'll trade him, but I really like Cruz, I want to keep him, so, yeah. yeah.
0: So it's possible that, that the rebuilding efforts were, were held back a little bit, but, because what happened was, I was going to say, I was looking at the trade file, after Silver City traded for Lottos, and after you, Chad, traded, you made those two trades with Orlando, Yes. Those are the first three really kind of deadline deal trades. They were a little bit before it. But. So you loaded up a little bit, but, I mean, you improved your team. You definitely did. Uh, but I don't think you improved your team so much that Cooper should have thought that you were out of hand, that, that he couldn't catch you.
2: I'd, I think Cooper I, – I really think Cooper underestimated how good his team was. I mean, just,
0: um, yeah. Well, he visited here. His, his perspective, when he said this to me, he said at the time that Chad made those trades and Silver City got Lottos, there was
2: nothing out there that I could trade for. Mm-hmm. Now, that may be true. But that team was good enough even without doing anything.
0: I, I think that argument can be made. Um, but I also think that it is true that there wasn't much out there to trade for. And that yeah. sort of supports the, you know, I don't know, if more demand. We know Cooper pounded the pavement, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, this is Cooper. Um the entire rest of the trading season, after those first three trades, after the Lottos trade, and Chad, your two trades with uh, Orlando, Vegas was involved in every single trade. Yeah. I and actually it, think
1: – I didn't mean to cut you off. It's a little hard, you know, when you don't see the person talking. <laughs> but, um, I don't think that if Vegas – I'm trying to structure the sentence correctly. If Vegas doesn't sell, I'm not sure any trades get done at that deadline.
2: That's that what deadline. I'm saying too. Yeah,
1: I think that that state college would have bought their starting pitching from from um, uh, Donnie's team. But if, they if, anyway, they didn't get
0: starting pitching.
1: Well, they yeah, they got um, they needed a starter. They physically needed. They didn't they get like Randy Wolf or something.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't count.
1: Yeah, just okay. Yeah, that's true then. I guess, I, I, I guess the pieces that could have fallen, that didn't fall, would have been Howard, you know, um, Gallardo on Atlanta could have been a trade target because he was doing
0: horrible.
1: In the yeah, field. but we're counting on Pittsburgh and Atlanta to make trades. No, you're right. And also, I guess it goes back to, um, to Arizona. They had the one interesting hitter, Cruz. Mm-hmm. I think that once I traded Willingham, I laid off Cruz. I think if I would have stayed full you know, full pedal down on Cruz, we could have done something. Yeah. Oh what yeah. But um there was no need when I ended up with Quentin who's kinda oh these guys have similar yeah. talent levels
0: actually and it right. just seemed to work out pretty well. Right. I mean again, Cooper flooded the Cooper flooded the supply market with his entire team. And yeah. so, all the other discussions were off. Cooper was just selling everything out. And I don't know if it would have I mean, I think Cooper would have been it a factor in the playoff rates. Other than that, I don't know how much it really affected because it was almost um you know like a zero sum game among everybody else. Um based well, on sort of I think I, I think it no, would was able to- What's that? The the Fort Duquesne I should say the Fort Duquesne trade was first and, and Fort Duquesne got his best players. So yeah. I mean, you got Quentin and, and Romo, but I mean, Ford Duquesne, with that one trade really boosted themselves up past you, and then you had to make those two trades to to catch up.
1: Yeah, I was really happy with both of the trades that I made. I I I, I really enjoyed having Willingham on my team. He's the guy that I liked, but I thought Quentin was like a comparable value. And per you know per for you look at the splits and the other values that that I got back, like Ibar Romo in that deal, I really liked that trade a lot. It, and needed another left-handed bat to give some pop and eye that.
0: He really helped you
1: out. And I really liked adding Kimbrel. Even though I got a little bit burnt from trading for Billy Wagner last year, I, I think Kimbrell will really be a, like a, a force this year. He is going to
2: be a force. I, I should mention about Ford Duquesne. I mean, they are the team that I think improved the most. As, by the spreadsheet, they improved the most as well. But there is one question that remains, and that is, should they have, should they have bought another relief? They are a little soft after uh, after Rivera, and Bastard is pretty good, but they don't have much else. You
1: know, we already talked about how you view relievers. I mean, yeah. I thought they they made a um I thought they did a very good job building a bullpen cheaply.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. I agree. Did.
2: I agree. But a I, lot I th- of value there. I think even in the playoffs, even given their starting pitchers, um, you know, high usage ratings. I feel like that bullpen really needs one other guy. The the last two bullpens they have are below league average. They're not good at all. I but are they high splits guys? I mean, are they rookies or lookies? Not really. I mean, Burnett. I mean, they've got Sean Burnett. He he can get lefties out, but he's not. That good against lefties, and the other guy they've got that I was talking about who's not that good overall is Fuentes, and he doesn't have a big split. So he has a re- he has a he a reverse, he has a reverse split. split, but he's not any good. I mean, lefties with reverse splits are just know
1: yeah, Who wants that out of the bullpen? It's that's not I really started. the same thing.
2: Yeah, Bastardo is, uh, is like that too. But Bastardo is good against lefties too. It's yeah, right. but if
1: he's good against lefties, then yeah, that makes it.
2: That Vist- makes Bastardo is a, a valuable piece, and of course Rivera is, but. Garrier can Garrier should be like the number four or five, number four really. He needs somebody else. It's
0: possible that could be what hurts
2: him. Yeah. I mean, that,
1: that's, that is. Yeah.
2: But he but he might be able to get away with it because of everything we already said about his starting pitching. It is
1: awesome. Yeah, his team is going to be very good. And I think that if you think, <laughs> you hear that, yeah, if the, the weakness is the bullpen, I think that won't be as big of a problem. And it's
2: just the back half of his bullpen, too.
1: Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, in 2010, the back half of my bullpen might not have shown up great on your spreadsheet, but there were no holes that I needed to fill with that bullpen. Yeah, yeah you had the splits working though. Know. Yeah, did. I really like the way it all fit
0: together.
2: I'm not, I'm not saying this is something that will kill him. I'm just saying it's something that possibly could. I don't think it will, but it could. Yeah. Um, well, we're probably.
0: We've probably gone on just about enough. I, I think maybe we should wrap it up with the uh the playoff odds and predictions. What do you think? Since we're kind of skewing toward this right sure, now. Anyway.
2: Sure, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. Let me um
0: And then maybe we can maybe at some point in the next, you know, three or four months or whatever, we could talk about the the prospects for next season a little bit more. That sounds good. Good. Um now we worked on this a little bit yesterday, actually, the playoff odds. Well,
2: <clears throat> well let me start off by saying that but these odds are very basic. I mean, we took, we took 15 minutes and just yeah, cranked them out based on spreadsheet scores. They do not take into account matchups or anything. So this is just a very, very rough estimate of the playoff odds. Um, yeah, I've got Elm Grove with a 36% chance of taking home the black. Fort Duquesne, thir- <coughs> 35%. So basically the same. And then Dunedin uh, State College at 15% and Dunedin at 14 So again, basically the same there. Yep. Now again, these are I'm not taking into account strengths, weaknesses, matchups. Very very rough estimate. But what do you think, Chad? Are those numbers close? Do you think that's about right? I think that
1: sounds. I mean, well, I mean, it's it's hard because it's you. I think you really have to look at matchups, and then when you look at matchups, I, I think those 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 percentages um, will hold. I, I do think that. um my team might have a slight advantage over Dunedin with the splits from the starters. Um, of course, that's just my feeling. I'm not exactly sure. Um, it's, I feel really strange about State College um, projecting them, because if they win in a short series, then if – they, if they play a short series, like if they play five games or six games and they're able to win – their team is as good as anybody's, but their injury factors might hurt them more in the late games if they if the, if the series goes long. That's a good call. stay it, college, State college. Yeah, and yeah. it really depends on how he decides to do it in terms of the
0: strategy. Does he try to save? Yeah.
1: I mean, if he goes all in um, and, and plays, tries to win in a short, short series, win up front. Could be dangerous. He probably isn't much worse than than Bob's for that short run, and it's <laughs> probably right. He's, he's got a really good team. I, I I think Dunedin's a very good team as well. I mean, I, I think that we'll, yeah, we'll have to see. I, those sound pretty reasonable, but um, it would surprise me. It would actually to tell you the truth, it would surprise me if both Duquesne, and my team make it through. Because yeah. for the last two years we've had two teams that we've pegged to go and one.
2: talking a little We're bit. Of, this the talking a little bit about matchups: seeing Elm Grove, Dunedin. Uh, I don't see anything that really jumps out here. Elm Grove's got a bit of a split. Elm Grove is considerably better against left-handed starters than right-handed starters, but they're very good against right-handed starters anyway, and most teams are. So I oh, yeah.
1: that that's, a, that's
0: a serious left-handed starter school. Yeah,
2: you kill
1: lefties. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I mean it's so it's really, really hard to increase your 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 uh, lineup versus right-handed pitchers because everybody wants those hitters, right? Right. And I think some of the trades that I did give me some flexibility where I can throw Ibar and Jones in, and I can actually throw a lot of lefties in the lineup where I couldn't do that before.
2: Also, talking about uh, talking about the possibility of a short series. I and mean, by short series, I mean even if it goes seven, that's still a short series, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I Dunedin does not have a closer, uh, but Ben Law is a good relief pitcher, but he's not really closer quality. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's he's, playoff he's, closer. He's, he, he's, he's definitely worse than Romo and a lot worse than Kimball. Yeah, he won't
1: have Benoit be the closer. would we'll torch Benoit because Benoit's going to have nightmares of what he did last year versus Silver City as a Cardinal. There's, there's no hope for Benoit as the closer, so don't <laughs> worry about well,
2: that. Well, he doesn't have anybody else who, who's – actually
0: Peralta's probably more valuable against somebody else. Yeah, the, the newspapers are saying that it would be Peralta. Yeah. I mean, he uh, destroys yeah. left. Yeah, no,
2: he does. He does. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah. Uh But the, the games that Lester starts, I mean, Josh. I mean, if I were Josh, I would stash Lester in the four spot or try not to pitch him at all. I, I don't, don't think
2: I, I wouldn't pitch him at all. No, that's you
1: know that brings up a, a really interesting point. If I if I were to have faced Fort Duquesne, I'm almost certain that Hamels would not have pitched. Okay. Okay. Are they a lot better against lefties? Uh, I think their lineup is constructed of main right-handed power guys. With yeah, um, there's not a, yeah, there's, there's, not sure. a big, there's not a big split. Um, it's, a, it's, it's considerable.
2: Well, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's a split, but it's oh. not a big split. Um, maybe, maybe so. You know, you're right
0: though. Their their lineup is it does have a lot of right-handed power guys. Yeah. It
2: does. Um, a guy like Napoli,
0: he's actually better against righties. Um,
2: yeah. See, that's the thing. A couple of those right-handed just yeah. really hit right-handed pitching.
0: I think you lose a little bit if you plug in Aramis over Sandoval. Uh th- That hurts the defense quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, Believe it or not. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs>
0: um, the trade for Murphy actually evened that out a little bit.
1: I see. I didn't know about that. Okay. Murphy yeah, Curry. Murphy is a
0: lefty who's really good against Ray. Right. That was
1: a big pick up there. It was.
0: Um, oh, that's right. Murphy. You
1: got that in the, the trade from Cooper, right?
0: Uh yes yeah that was part of the Heron Heron Basardo and Murphy were the three he
2: got and I was you know I was I was saying that Fort Duquesne's bullpen is their weakness but but Rivera is so good you know that he's gonna he's gonna obviously be big and and given those pitchers I mean he may not need a a deep bullpen
0: yeah they're a lot other than the bullpen they're considerably better than State College look at the sweat that State College has on lefties versus right
1: Yep. Yeah, state college's split versus lefties had to be improved when he picked up uh, Rodriguez and Aviles. Yes.
2: Here's the other thing that gives State College a chance in this series because I have them as a 35 point underdog, which is huge.
0: The other, the other
2: thing that that, that that will help State College though, and that may make this closer than uh, the spreadsheet scores make it seem, is they in a short series you can lean on your bullpen more heavily if you want, yep. him, and he's got a great bullpen. Yeah. He's got so the, that's the sort of a,
0: a corollary to what Chad was talking about with yeah. the injury back.
2: He's got actually the best bullpen in the league, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Florian does. Yeah, even after
0: Chad traded for.
2: He's got a better bullpen after I've added Kimbrel and Romo. Yeah. And he's got. He must be sick. He has three closers in that bullpen. He's got Marshall, Bard, and O'Flaherty. They're all great.
0: That he's that bullpen is, is nasty. Yeah. That is the clear strength of that team because they're just average against right-handed pitching. Yeah, and their their starters are probably kind of average yeah. also, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The bullpen is the clear.
2: But, but I will say this too, though. Another strength of State College going into this series is that the weakness of their starting pitching is their number five and six guys. They got four good starters. Well, that is true. So that helps them too. Yeah. So their their odds are, their odds are not as bad as we might think at the first glance.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although yeah. I don't know if you could get three starts out of Zimmerman and Luke. You have to be careful.
2: Yeah, you have to be careful with Zimmerman and Luke. Key. You yeah. You have to lean on your bullpen, but they have a bullpen to lean on. Yeah, it's
1: true. It's <laughs> possible. That is a uh, that is true. Well, what do you uh, what do you think, Chad? I think that if state college really leans heavily on the bullpen and by the time their starters come up to bat the second time around and they pull them, you know, it could be a really uh, interesting series. As a matter of fact, they could mitigate almost all you could mitigate a lot of differences if they're playing really up front and using their bullpen. Yeah.
2: I, th- I think if they let Linscombe and Masters- Masterson go about six or seven innings yeah, yeah, yeah. and then just pull Zimmerman and Luebke after about 20 batters, twenty twenty one twenty two 22 sure, batters, sure, sure. and lean on the bullpen with their number three and four guys there, Yeah, I think that that's the best way to do it. That's yeah. the way to get the most out of that team.
0: So do we think that State College <laughs> has a better chance of, of the upset in the first
2: round? I do. Well, I can't possibly say that. I'm, I'm involved in one of these. Come <laughs> oh, on, I'm trying to get some uh, bulletin board. I think State College has a better chance of upsetting Fort Duquesne than Dunedin has of upsetting Elm Grove. But I think I still think that Fort Duquesne and especially Elm Grove are heavy favorites. Okay. I mean, we know how to beat Dunedin. We've done it before. Pat <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Wilson out
1: of the game, you'll be fine. You know that's right. I mean, I, there's some there's some history here.
0: All right, so who, who, uh, who's your favorite to win it all?
1: Who? Are you talking to me? Sure, either one of them. Well, I hope, I hope that, um, that I get a chance to play in the finals versus either my lab mate from grad school or my advisor from grad school. That would be great. Oh, yeah. That's right. And
0: I guess you've never played either one of them in a playoff series.
1: No, I've, I've never played either of them or Hobbs or Cooper. Boy, Boy,
2: that is weird. That is weird. Wow! You just need to dodge John Christopher.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> quite possible. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Rob? Do you
2: like Fort Duquesne or Elm Grove? It's so close. I but 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 to answer your question, I will say I, I, I originally was going to give the I originally was going to give a very slight edge to Fort Duquesne, but given what we just said about the possibility of State College upsetting oh. them, I'm actually going to switch that and now give a slight edge to Elm Grove. Okay. Interesting.
1: What? So, Jay, hold up now. We need to reverse the game a little bit so we can interview Jr. Uh, oh. Tell us about Dunedin's perspective on this.
2: <laughs> well, oh.
1: Dunedin's going to win the plot. Oh, boy. I figured as much. I just oh. wanted to <laughs> can you tell me how. Can you embellish it a little bit? Are you going to wear your, your Dunedin
2: jerseys to the game? Do you still have the Deneen shirt, Jeff? Jr. made me that Dunedin shirt for 2009, I guess it was. You know that
0: story, don't you, Jeff?
2: You tell it again, though. It does get
0: better. It does get better. Well, when Dunedin was going into the championship against Las Vegas, Jeff was, of course, a huge Dunedin fan because it was Las Vegas. And I was only too happy to comply with some Dunedin adoration. And so I I made a T-shirt that said Dunedin clear blues on it. And right before the series started, Hobbs walked out in it and, 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 and wore it during the whole series. Wow. I wish,
2: I wish that Cooper could have been there. Yeah, Cooper wasn't there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, guys, um, it was fun this morning. Got a lot of RBA talk done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to talk about maybe um, – well, we'll need to talk about the playoff schedule also, but we'll talk about maybe doing one to preview the 2013 season also. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. All right. Well, good talking to you, Chad. Yep. All right. Good deal. Take care. See you. Okay, bye. bye.